What's up, everybody? Welcome to the What's Goody podcast. I have my good friend, Ben Azadi. What's going on, brother? What's goody, my brother? I'm really great. I'm excited to be with you today. We're going to have a life-changing conversation. Yes, we are. Dude, I cannot complain. I mean, the weather right now in Texas is fucking amazing because of the cold front uh, that just came in this week. And so, you know how it is in Texas. I mean, dude, you're from Miami, so, you know, it's it's always hot, right? We don't really get much winters. So, for, for me to be able to just go outside and just enjoy this nice, cool breeze, I cannot complain. Life is good. My girls are good. My family's good. My health's good. People that are listening to this right now, watching this right now, we're all winning because we're all alive. And uh, yeah, man, I absolutely cannot complain. Amen to that. Amen to that. Always something to be grateful for. And you're right. We are winning because we're alive. And the chances of being alive are 400 and trillion to one. And we're <laughs> miracles that we live on this beautiful planet Earth. So amen to that. Absolutely, dude. So Ben, tell my audience a little bit about what you do, a little bit about what your background will and we'll go from there. What I do is I own the company called Keto Camp, Camp with the K. And our mission is to educate, to inspire 1 billion people, to wake up a billion people and let them know, hey, if you treat your health casually, you end up a casualty. We don't want that for you. Here are ancient healing strategies to reset what you've done, the damage you've done to your body. So we do that with our podcast. Logan, you've been on my Keto Camp podcast, YouTube, TikTok, social media, books, et cetera. So the mission, the mission is just to get the information out there deliver the science in actionable, easy to bite-sized nuggets and uh, help make a difference and put a dent in disease. So that's what we're doing currently. Yeah, man. And dude, your your content is flipping killing it, dude. Like I think the last time I was on your podcast, it was funny. We were talking and we were talking about your TikTok because you've blown up on TikTok. Like uh, you've blown up on TikTok. And I was like, yeah, on Instagram. You're like, oh, yeah, not so much Instagram. No, dude, your your Instagram has really grown since the last time I talked to you on a podcast. I mean, I can't yeah. scroll on my literally, bro. I, I literally cannot open my TikTok and my Instagram without finding something from you. Like, All right. it's working. Like, yeah, <laughs> it is, dude. Having a chopped up, you know, little bit from a podcast interview, whether you're on yeah. someone's or, or or someone else on yours. You on stage, I see you doing a lot of traveling lately. Like I feel like you during this past year have traveled a lot. Yeah. So I definitely want to ask you, like, how does that affect like your your training, your eating? Because I know for me, dude, like personally, if I'm at home, I'm good. Monday through Friday, because I know exactly when I'm gonna eat, I know exactly what I'm gonna eat, I know exactly what I'm gonna train. I know exactly when I'm going to train and what I'm going to eat post-workout. I'm very schedule-oriented when I'm at home. But when I'm on the road or I travel, dude, for some reason, the wheels just come off, dude. And and I cannot, like, I can't get on my normal, like, I can't, like, I can't stay on my healthy regimen. And I don't even travel as much as you do. So how how do you do it? Good question. And I'm sure a lot of people have that, that struggle, especially those who travel a lot. And yeah, you're right, Logan. This year I have traveled a lot more than any other year in my life. I feel like every month there's a couple of um, places I'm speaking. And I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. So 
I'm really good actually when I travel when it comes to nutrition. Intermittent fasting is like my best friend. So when I'm flying on an airplane, I'm at the airport, I'm fasted. I don't want to use energy for digestion. I want to use energy to combat the stressors of flying. So I fast typically when I'm flying and I'm at the airport because let's face it, that food at the airport on the airplane, it's not real food. It's Franken food. So I don't even want to eat that. And I always just tell the the um, air flight, uh, the airline attendant, like, no, no, I'm good. Just some water. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> so I fast. I let my body eat from my fat stores. I'm really good when I travel. I typically do carnivore uh, and intermittent fasting. That stays consistent for me. The, the one thing that I do struggle with though, and it's a challenge for me, is my exercise and fitness when I'm traveling. When I'm home, I get into my routine, like you said. It's like I, I knock it out. When I'm traveling, I tend to put that on the back burner and yeah, I'll walk around a lot and get more steps, but I don't typically do my workout. So that's something I'm working on and tweaking. But in terms of nutrition and fasting, I do carnivore intermittent fasting and I stay at the course most of the time. Nice, nice. Tell me a little bit about like, what is your morning routine? Because I've seen a little bit of it. Like, you know, you get up in the morning, you, I don't know if it's your place or what, but I always see like on a rooftop, just like that's my place. Amazing, <laughs> amazing views. And I'm like, damn, dude, like that's sick. Like you get that vitamin D, you, you kind of like tell them, tell me what is your morning routine and why do you do it? That is my place. Um, I call it Keto Camp HQ. It's here in uh, Miami Beach, Florida, where I live. My morning routine is, is pretty extensive. And the reason I have a committed like process in the morning, I truly believe if you could, if you could win the morning, you'll own the day. Uh, a lot of people, Lose the morning and lose the that. day. But that, that beginning is so important, especially because the subconscious mind is so impressionable. Whatever you feed it, you'll manifest. And I want to feed it only great things. So number one, my phone is out of the bedroom when I'm sleeping. When I wake up in the morning, my phone is on airplane mode in a different room. I'm not looking at my phone first thing. That, I used to do that many years ago. Not anymore. First thing I do is I grab the notepad on my nightstand. And I write down what I'm grateful for, 10 things I'm grateful for. I write down all my goals. And then I read my thinking, grow rich, burning desire statement, which I change every year. Then me and my fiance, we take my dog, Ziggy, who's sleeping here. We take Ziggy out for a walk around the neighborhood here, 20-minute walk while the sun's coming up. So we're getting that circadian rhythm in check. And we're both walking. And here's the funny thing, Logan. We're not even talking to each other or saying anything to each other. We're both walking and saying affirmations in our head ourselves the entire time. So she's saying affirmations to herself. I'm saying affirmations to myself. Uh, we're not awesome, even talking dude. to each other. And it's funny because because that's our routine when we walk. And sometimes I'll start a conversation and she'll say, no, shh, I'm doing my affirmations. Or she'll start a conversation. And I'll say, no, no, we'll, we'll talk about it later. I'm doing my affirmation. So <laughs> that's what we do. And then we get back to the um, our apartment here. I make my coffee, which is French press. And then I sit on my balcony over the water, which is probably the videos you've seen. And mm -hmm. I drink coffee, listen to an audio book. And then an hour and a half later, get into the office, turn on my red light, and then start my day. That's typically my morning routine. Dude, that is being awesome. So, okay. I'm sure you get this a lot because I've also seen this on other like people in our space who kind of have a similar routine, right? What, if, what, what would you say to people like, Ben, like, dude, I got three kids. I got to get them to school at eight yeah. and I got to clock into my job at nine. It's like, dude, I would love to do that, but I don't have the time. Like, what would you tell them? What's the best advice that you could tell them if they don't have that kind of structure or setup first thing in the morning? Because, you know, Ben, like most, most Americans, like it's like go, go, go in the morning. Like get the kids ready, yep. get them to school, get them dressed, brush their hair, drop them off, get to work, pick up your breakfast. Or if they do eat breakfast, clock in. 
and start your day. Like they're always in that really rushed state, which is actually, I wouldn't even call it rushed. I mean, I wouldn't wouldn't call it stressful state, um, anxiety driven state, right? Of, oh my God, the line is so long today. The traffic's so long. I'm going to be late for work. I can't be late for work. I'm going to get a ride up. You know, just the list goes on and on. Like what kind of advice would you, would you give to someone who says like, man, I would love to do something like that, get into a morning routine like that, but this is my circumstances. Yeah, it's a good question and a very fair point. Just because it's my morning routine doesn't mean that you should adopt it. Um, you should find what works for you. And like Logan just said, some people don't have an hour and a half to do all those things like I do. And I'm so grateful and blessed that I have that time and I could, I could dedicate that time to do that. Now, you might have kids. I don't have kids. So that, you know, for me, it's easier, of course. But you do have 10 minutes, right? Everybody could manifest, create 10 minutes. And if you don't have 10 minutes, you don't have a life, right? So <laughs> 10 minutes, start your day off with gratitude and affirmations. Don't look at your phone for at least an hour. And just doing that right there, 10 minutes of gratitude and affirmations and goals, not looking at your phone for an hour after waking up, that right there could be your morning routine. And just doing that will set you up for a better day versus what you've been doing. Yeah, I love that. You're right. We all have 10 minutes. We, yeah, you don't need an hour and a half, 10 minutes, what you're grateful for. And I, and I, I do like, man, I, I absolutely love that mindset. And, and you guys know, if you've been following me for a long time, I, I'm always been grateful for everything. Like, and a lot of that comes from my background and my story. So I have a brother who grew up with, uh, well, who was born with us uh, several palsies. So he is not able to walk. Obviously, there's some brain dis, uh, you know, dysfunction there, and but he's the happiest person you'll ever meet. Like my brother has always been the happiest person, the biggest smile, and I've always thought like, man, like I know he, I know like obviously he, he probably wishes he could walk. He probably wishes he could do all the things that we all take for granted, right? Like, and if he's happy, I have no reason to complain. Like, there's nothing for me to complain about. Oh, I got to go to the gym. Oh, I got to go to work. Oh, I got to do this. Like, it's like, dude, there are people in this world, just like my brother, that would do anything to have just one day, like how we have, right? That we take for granted. Like, you know, don't, oh, I don't want to get up to go to work. I don't want to get up to do my cardio. Like, dude, there are people that would, you know, would love to have that opportunity to do what we do. So that's where like a lot of my being grateful comes from. It's just like, Personally, like having a brother who is just the happiest guy you'll ever meet, most loving person you'll ever meet. And, you know, he'll never have the opportunity that we, you and I have, and most people that are listening to this have. So again, guys, like, yeah, definitely. Beautiful perspective. Absolutely. You're so right, Logan. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah. And I think just finding something that, that hits home too also matters, right? Like finding like, you know, something in your life that hits home that can definitely help motivate you and then build uh, that gratefulness and, and take it from there. Uh, ben, you know, you, you have that, the company keto camp and you know, both the, you and I are both huge fans of keto, but I want to know like what made you get into keto? Like, I, I don't think I have ever seen you like overweight or out of shape. Maybe, maybe you have, but what's your story? Like what made you get into keto? Cause you know, early on, 2014, 15, when I got into it, it was like, what in the hell are you doing? You're eating fat. Are you absolutely out of your mind? And then now, like, you know, fast forward to where we're at now, it's like, yeah, keto is cool. The benefits of it. So what, what even made you get into it? Well, 
So I was actually obese, Logan, and overweight, uh, obese and overweight uh, for most wow. of my life. So when I was 24 years old, I was 250 pounds, 34% body fat, so physically obese, but also mentally obese and broken, broken, and also suicidal. I was ready to exploring ways oh to give, give up on life. And I kept thinking about my mom every time I explored suicide, and, and I didn't want to leave the devastation, leave that devastation for her. So forced me to figure things out. And thank God that I did. So I took responsibility, started changing my ways. And although I didn't do keto back then, I did go through this weight loss transformation where I lost 80 pounds. I went from 34% body fat down to 6% body fat and completely just transformed my, transformed my physical health, which got me started on that journey into health and nutrition. I became a personal trainer. I opened up a CrossFit gym, et cetera. And I was still kind of exploring over those years, what does it feel like to really feel healthy? have healthy hormones, a healthy brain, a healthy gut. Because although I was fit, I wasn't necessarily healthy. I was one of those fit, fit people. So I did the vegan diet for a year and a half. And the vegan diet did not work well for me. Maybe in the first month it was good, but I was very dogmatic. I stuck with it. But eventually, this is 2012, 2013, I started to realize that this vegan dogma diet was not the right approach for me. So I started to get into some of the research of our ancient healing practices, like ancient healing strategies, like ketosis, intermittent fasting. And that's when I first heard about keto and intermittent fasting. And it was really fascinating to me to learn that there's nothing new about keto, nothing new about intermittent fasting. All of every single one of our ancestors did it. Thank God that there is an ability to tap into ketosis because if not, our ancestors would have all died. It's an amazing process. And we've lost this ability now to tap into that. And even though I was fit, I was a sugar burner. I was snacking. I was eating all these foods. I was a vegan. So I was convinced I'm going to do keto. And it was 2013, similar around the time that you did it, where it wasn't cool, not a lot of research. And it was really amazing. Uh, I felt my brain turn on for the first time. My hormones got better. My performance at the CrossFit gym that I owned at that time got better. And I paired it with intermittent fasting. And that's where everything really took off for me. And I became really fascinated with keto and intermittent fasting. And of course, I learned a lot of things along the way. Uh, there's a lot of things that I did back then that I wouldn't do and teach today. But yeah, that's when I got into keto, Logan, uh, similar to the time that you got into it. Dude, that's crazy. Okay. So I got two huge questions, but I'll start with the first one. Okay. So switching over from being a vegan, cause you know, most vegans, again, I don't know a lot about it. I, I never really like researched it or anything. I never tried it. I have nothing against vegans. <laughs> okay. Like I don't care how you eat. Like, are you, are you a cool person? Do you have cool vibes? That's all that matters to me. Right. But most vegans are very, like you said, dogmatic, right? I'm sure at some point you had some vegan friends that were, that you were doing vegan with or like maybe some other vegans at your CrossFit gym. When you switched, how did that dynamic or that relationship change? Did any vegan people get upset with you and like, oh, how dare you? How could you do this? How could you switch switch up on us? Did you experience any of that? Yeah, there was a, a mix, right? Some some of my vegan friends were like, that's totally understandable. You know, you weren't feeling well. I even did blood work and it wasn't that my blood work wasn't good. So they understood that. They supported the change. And then there's another set of vegan friends that were like, what are you doing? You're hurting the environment and hurting the animals. And 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 here's the thing, and you probably noticed, it's, noticed this too, Logan. When you change, you become a threat to people in your life who do not change, right? Mm -hmm. It's easier for them oh, yeah. to 
keep you at their level versus them making the decision to change. So even I still have some friends that were vegan back then that are still vegan to this day. And here's the crazy thing. I'm not going to say their names because they might end up listening to this. Here's the crazy (laughs) thing. They're dealing with health problems and they're not changing the way they eat. They're not they haven't made the decision to get away from the vegan diet, even though they're dealing with health issues. And that's the problem when you're dogmatic, even with keto. Like I love keto, but I'm not dogmatic about it. I know you're not dogmatic about it. Yeah. It's really about health over dogma. When you put yourself in a box and you're dogmatic about something, you get into trouble. And I've done it and I don't want to do it again. Yeah. And that goes with anything in life, like, right? Like if you're, yeah, I, I feel like being dogmatic about training, the way you eat, what you do, like anything. It's, it's never a positive, it never leads to a positive result or it's never a positive thing when you're dogmatic about anything. I think being open-minded and accepting other people's beliefs and decisions. And at the end of the day, like you said, like it doesn't affect me how other people eat. If that's the way you want to eat, but you know, you know, cool. Like it's all good. But yeah, no, I, that, that's pretty interesting, especially coming from a CrossFit. Cause I, I've done, I did CrossFit for a little bit and I, what my biggest thing is, and let me take a step back and let me, let me put this perspective on why I went to CrossFit. So for those of you who don't know much about bodybuilding, bodybuilding is a very, very selfish sport. It's a very lone wolf way of training. I would say it's, it's a very toxic, it it, it can be toxic, right? It it, It definitely can be because one thing, when you start training bodybuilding, that the first day that you start training, You'll never be big enough. You'll never be strong enough. You'll never look good enough. It, it just, it starts this weird mental phase and it's very easy to get sucked, sucked down that path of like, well, I, comparing yourself to other people, right? That you follow in the bodybuilding space, like, especially for me, like following these big time bodybuilders and like, oh, if I just had this, if I just had this, <laughs> his back, if I just had his, his biceps and it just is, it's really, it's really toxic, right? And what I noticed is like, man, I really want to join a community. I really want to join this really new way of training. And what I noticed is with CrossFit, like I saw that. I saw like people not only like having fun as a community in a group fitness space, but they would always go hang out after and on the weekends. And I was like, that's pretty cool. So I actually, that that was one of the biggest reasons why I tried because I was so tired of being like almost like quote unquote alone in the way that I trained. And so I, I switched to CrossFit, I want to say in 2017 and it was cool. Like I had a, I had a great time. I did the, uh, I did the open. Yeah. The 17 open, yeah. uh, documented on my YouTube channel. Absolutely humbled me big time. <laughs> humbled me on Friday, butt, dude. <laughs> on, on Friday, every fr- I think it was Thursday or Friday nights. We would, we would all do it as a, as a CrossFit. I think Thursday gyms. nights were the, the, the night when they released it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so it was Thursday night they released it, so then we would all do it on Friday. And I loved the community aspect of it. I loved it. It was so cool, like yeah. being able to just as a group and like almost like family. I love that. And so I definitely could see how it could be hard, right, for you because I'm sure you had some really good friends that were vegans and they almost feel like you switched up on them. But yeah, no, I... I I, I, uh, yeah, that was my CrossFit story of why I, I switched and tried it out. But again, after that, after I did it for about a year, I, I quickly found out how much I love bodybuilding and I went back to it, but I went with a different total like mindset. And I guess the moral of the story of, of like 
talking about CrossFit bodybuilding. It's like, you, you got to constantly evolve. You got to constantly try new things. And so same thing with the way you eat and the way you train, like just because you train bodybuilding doesn't mean you have to stay there. Like I've tried all types of things and I found what works for me. And there's going to be times you got to try new ways to eat. Like Ben said, you know, like the way I did keto when I needed to lose 70 pounds is not the way I do keto now. And matter of fact, matter of fact, I don't even consider it keto. This is just the way I eat now, right? Because what you probably have found out, once you label something, oh man, that's just a great way to get called out. <laughs> that's not carnivore. That's not keto. You're not doing keto macros. You know, I'm like, okay, stop. <laughs> I'm going to stop saying names of diets and just say, this is the way I eat. This is what works for me. Because now my diet is a, is a very high protein diet, like where the protein is the highest macronutrient, no longer the fat. And, and Same. And, for the and for the longest time, people freaked out about that dude. Like, how could you be? That's not keto. It's not. It's not the right percentages. And now I'm like, well, dude, like, <laughs> I may want to be bodybuilder now. Like, I want to build muscle. Like, I, I protein's definitely the highest macronutrient for me, and it works. So yeah, and like you said, like it's the same for you now, right? You said protein is the highest macronutrient yep. for you. When did that change for you? Uh, yeah, you're right, Logan, because a few years ago it was like gluconeogenesis. Uh, you got to really mo- oh moderate, gosh, moderate dude, to low protein. That? Yeah, remember yeah. that? Remember that? Remember that freaking year? <laughs> Everybody was talking about that. You're you're knocking yourself out of ketosis. You're yeah. having too much. Pro- dude, go look at my YouTube videos. I, I, I got a comment all the time. You're getting knocked out of ketosis because you're eating way too much protein. I, yeah, I still get those. And you know what? I used to think that was the case. Personally, I used to tell people, you don't want too much protein. It'll convert to sugar, to glucose, and it'll kick you out of ketosis. But then I was like experimenting on myself and then experimenting on my students. And I didn't see that to be true. <laughs> so I, I changed my mind on it. And I realized that, yeah, there is going to be gluconeogenesis. But if you're metabolically flexible and your glycogen stores are kind of depleted, you're just going to refill that. It's not going to be a glucose spike to knock you out. So protein, is, and I'm sure Brian Sanders, who you said you interviewed earlier, spoke about the value of protein. It's just satiating. It's also, as, as you know, muscle building. It allows people to uh, feel full so they don't have to snack. Uh, it allows people to overcome sugar cravings and carb cravings. So about a couple years ago, I started to prioritize protein and I started to study people like Gabrielle Lyon, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon and, and some of her research on the importance of protein. And she really believes that we have an obesity epidemic because we're not overfed, but we're under muscled and under uh, to not enough protein. And I kind of, I think it's a great theory. So two years ago, I started to really prioritize protein for myself and for my students. I started teaching them on how to hit your requirement, which is for most people, it's going to be one gram per pound of ideal body weight. And I feel really good when I'm hitting that. And especially if you're training, you might want to go a little higher as you probably do, Logan, but protein should be the main focus if you have been doing keto. Now, if you're brand new to keto, the way I teach it is not to prioritize protein in the first 14 days. I do think it should be a high fat approach and then moderate of protein and very low carbs eventually, but after you're in ketosis, then we focus on protein and we minimize the fat to let your body tap into body fat. That's the way we teach it. Yeah, absolutely. Protein is such an important, such an important macronutrient. And again, it's even with guys, we're not eating enough. Like, you know, it's funny. I did have this conversation like literally an hour ago on how <laughs> it. dudes will come to my gym. And, and it's so funny. I brought up Dr. Gabrielle line as well, being a great resource. Cause we'll get to that point next, but guys will come up to me in the gym and say, yo, I, 
how do I, how do I get big? And I'm like, you, you got to eat, you got to eat food and you got to eat high protein. Oh, I do. I do. Trust me. I do. And then they tell you what they ate throughout the day. And they're like at 60 grams of protein. You're like, dude, no, but it's people always think they, yeah, I get it all the time. Dude, trust me, bro. That's all I do is eat. Trust me, bro. That's all I eat is protein. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. Trust me. You don't. We all think we do. You don't. That <laughs> so, would be but then, a good time to track it, right? To get really clear on yes. how much are you getting, right? So that's the value yes. of tracking at that point. Yeah, it is. And, and women don't eat enough protein. Like no. I, you, they just, they just don't eat enough. And, and that could be like culture and like what, what our society wants our women to, or wants women to eat, right? Like, you know, eat a salad, eat this. Like, it's always like little foods and most women, like if you tell them like, Hey, eat this steak. Like, Oh my gosh, wait, I don't want to get big and bulky. Like, trust me, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, that'd be very difficult to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's so funny. Right. But I don't know why people think that's what's going to happen. And like, you're like the second person today has said that to me. That is so difficult to do. So women, if you're listening to this, it is so hard to get big and bulky eating protein. So I, I jokingly say this, I'm still trying to figure out how to get big and bulky. So trust me, <laughs> you'll be fine. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and yes, Dr. Gabrielle line is, yeah, she is amazing when it comes to how she breaks it down and, and the importance of protein and building muscle. Cause it's just like building muscle in general is not only great for you, you're, you're going to look great. You're going to feel great, but guess what guys, you're going to be able to eat more calories because you have more muscle. You're going to be able to burn more fat because you have more muscle and you're going to improve your insulin sensitivity because you have more muscles for that glycogen to come in and, 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 and it could go to your muscles. So yeah, it's, it's, Building muscle at the end of the day is like one of the most important things. And it only gets more important as we get older, especially men, right? As we get older, it's, it's, it's harder and harder to maintain muscle mass. And uh, yeah, it's having as much as you can, maintaining as much as you can is very important. And one of the only ways to do that is to make sure you get enough protein in and make sure you're doing some type of resistance training. Lift heavy stuff, guys. It's good for you. It is. Yeah, it is so good for you. And and to your point, most people, especially women, are not eating enough protein. I, I always ask my students to calculate how much protein they're having. They're always in a protein deficit, which is okay to do maybe once in a while, but not every day. You got to be in, hitting that protein requirement and train. Like you said, lift weights, sprinting, whatever you can do according to your activity level. For me, it's always been a, a challenge for me to put on a lot of muscle weight. Um, because it's just my natural state. And you're tall, bro. <laughs> yeah, I'm tall. I'm lean, tall. right? It's, <laughs> so I'm, it's I'm hard for tall guys to put, pro, uh, to put muscle on, for sure. It is. So it's always been a challenge for me. However, like I'm consistent. I'm still going at it. I'm still doing it. I'm eating the protein. I'm lifting the weights. And, and I feel good when I lift weights consistently. When If I go a few days without lifting weights, just don't feel as good, even if I'm hitting my protein requirement. So it goes hand in hand. Hit the protein, hit the weights, and you're going to feel so much better, both men and both women as well. Yeah, yeah. Talking about feeling great, I want to I want to go back and dive into that personal side of when you were overweight and you were feeling depressed, you were feeling suicidal. Because I think a lot of people can relate to the depressed part. You know, when I was when I was overweight as well. I mean. I, I have pictures that I'll post and you can see it in my eyes. You can, you know, you can really see it in someone's face in their eyes. And it's, 
it's this weird feeling. I can't explain it, but whenever I see the pictures of my old self overweight and I see the look in my face and the look in my eyes and see like, I know exactly what I was thinking back then. I know exactly how I was feeling. And it was shame. It was like, how did I let myself get here? What am I doing? I'm not proud of myself. And it puts you in this weird downward spiral where the only comfort would be to just binge eat, right? And so I want to, I want to talk to you like, how, what, like, what was some of the lowest points and, and, and talk about that and share, you know, your story and your advice on how, how can someone that's listening to this right now get out of that mindset, you know, that they're going through that same feeling that you were, that we were. Yeah. I could totally re- relate to what you just said for sure. I look at photos of myself back then and it's like, who is that guy? Right? Like, <laughs> The, it starts with responsibility. And I know it's difficult. When I was unhealthy and fat, obese, depressed, suicidal, I was the victim. Like, of course I'm overweight. My mom brings me home Kentucky Fried Chicken all the time. My family members are enabling me to eat. I have a slow metabolism. My dad has diabetes. I got his genes. Of course I'm overweight. So I was the victim, right? I was, I was blaming my circumstances. But the second you take ownership and responsibility you stop being the victim. And that word responsibility, that means that is your ability to respond to life. My ability to respond to life was poor. Obviously, I was playing the victim card. But when you take responsibility, you stop being the victim of your history and you instantaneously become the victor of your destiny. And that's where everything will change for you. I literally said those words out loud. I am responsible. I'm going to figure this out. I am the reason why I have these health issues. It's not anybody else. I once heard Dr. Wayne Dyer really nail this because I was blaming a lot of people. And then I was listening to Dr. Wayne Dyer audio. He said, if other people are the cause of your problems, you would have to hire a psychiatrist for, for the rest of the world in order for you to get better. Meaning <laughs> that doesn't work. It makes no sense. They're not the problem. You are the only problem that you will ever have. That's the bad news. The good news is that you are the, also the only solution. So it starts with that. And I know that's like, Ben, but I'm going through all these circumstances and I just lost my job and I just lost a loved one. And I'm not negating anything you're going through, but it starts with responsibility. It's stop, you stop playing the victim. Stop beating yourself up. Everything is happening for you. Nothing is happening to you. If you could just find one way to get one step forward today, it could be the smallest little step. Maybe you just, you know, stop snacking or you read a a page from a book, whatever small step, and then build on that the next day. Then it's two pages or it's, you know, intermittent fasting. But small little tweaks will lead to giant peaks. Just keep getting one foot in front of the other. Surround yourself with people who are going to support you and push you forward. You know, for God's sake, turn off the news, turn off social media, <laughs> people, how do your get life off work? CNN. Get off CNN, uh, constant negative news. That's what CNN stands for. And open up a book and take that small step forward and you'll, you'll begin to create momentum. And that's where it all starts for you. Man, dude, what you just said, I could not agree more. Playing the victim is so powerful because that is what I did as well. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, you and I talked about this on when I was on your podcast. But I, I, I had a disease called Graves' disease, which is very rare for guys. It's it not, is. Not yeah. In general, it's a very rare thyroid disease. Yeah, it, it is. It really is. And 
and when I got it, I was so young. I was 18 years old. So I, I said, dude, I'm 18 years old. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm so young, I'm young and dumb, right? Um, living the fast life. So I, I was like, whatever, this disease, okay, whatever. But I didn't know how serious it was. It was, it was super serious. Like I, I could have died. Um, when they found it, it was kind of too late to save the thyroid. They had to get it removed. So I had to have my thyroid removed. So I technically, not even technically, I don't have a thyroid. And I always use that as the reason why I was fat. I always use that as the reason why I couldn't build muscle. I always use that why my friends look so good and why they can work out and why they could lose weight. And I was in this like weird, this weird victim space, like or this whole like mindset, right? Like blaming everybody and jealous of everybody and envious of everybody, but not once, not once thinking about my actions that I did every day, drink beer, Taco Bell, Jack in the Box, Wendy's, never working out, staying up late, never drinking water, eating Hot Pockets, like just completely living a horrible lifestyle, but blaming everybody else, right? And like you said, until I had to take accountability and responsibility that I quickly like, oh, damn. So me not having a thyroid has nothing to do with why I can't build muscle. Because look, I can build muscle now. Yeah, look at that. Wow, not having a thyroid has nothing to do with why I can't lose weight. Because shit, I just lost 70 pounds. So man, people who are watching and listening, it is nobody's fault. Take accountability. Take responsibility of your actions. And I get it. Like It's tough, right? It's hard. Like Everyone's circumstances are different and everyone's life is different and everyone's problems are different. But at the end of the day, only you can make the change. Only no one can do it for you. Nobody should want it for you as bad as you should want it. You should want to do it for yourself. You should want to do it for your loved ones. You should want to do it for your kids. So yeah, man, that is so such a powerful, powerful story because you're right. We all, we all play that victim card at some point. Feel sorry. Feel sorry. So sorry for me. Poor me, poor me. Stop. No. Get your ass up and let's get to work. It doesn't work. You know, it doesn't serve you and it doesn't serve humanity to play the victim card. It's like, just stop. It's not helping anybody. Yeah. Ben, and and we may have talked about this before and I don't quite remember, but is your is your mom still is your mom still alive? My mom's still alive. My dad uh, okay. passed in 2014. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. How how is she like now that you've like gone on your fitness journey, like has that impacted her? What does she say? What does she think about it? Like, you know, I'll get into my next question, but I want to hear your like what 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 her thoughts on that on your transformation. My mom is my superhero. She is the most unselfish person that I've ever known. She immigrated to Miami to the US from Iran in the 1970s. She had an arranged marriage. She didn't speak any English. She came on a boat from the Bahamas and she learned English from watching Sesame Street. She had me and my sister, didn't know what she was doing, worked three jobs. So she did everything. She sacrificed so much to raise me and my my sister. My parents got divorced because they had an arranged marriage. So it was just her raising me and my sister. And I was a bad kid, dude. I did drugs. I sold drugs. I hung out with the wrong crowd. I dropped out of school. She dealt with a bad child and she put up with me and she always believed in me. So now that I've overcome all that and I've taken ownership and I've built a huge, you know, company and the things that I'm doing, she's so proud of me. She's, you know, happy for me. 
She's seen when I was on one side of, of things where I was depressed and suicidal and unhealthy and doing bad things. And she's seeing now what I'm doing and speaking on stage. So she's always proud of me. Uh, I'm so grateful, Logan, because my mom literally lives two blocks away from me. And every Thursday, and today's Thursday, in about a couple hours after I get a haircut, I'm going to go have dinner with her. Every Thursday, I have dinner with her. I just walk down the street with my fiance and my dog. So I'm so grateful to have her nearby. And and it's cool for her to see the, the transformation of when I was going through the darkness and now what I'm doing with my life. Damn, dude. I fucking love that. I God damn, I love that shit, dude. Biggest reason. So I, you know, I'm Mexican background. So you know how, how big family, family is everything to us. So like I, dude, I don't, if I don't see my parents at least three to four times a week, they'll call me like, where are you at, mijo? They still call me mijo, which in Spanish <laughs> means little boy. So, and, and again, when I was, when I was, when we were um, buying a house in 2020, we were looking all over uh, Texas, Central Texas. And <laughs> at the end of the day, we're like, I got to be close to our parents. I got to be close to my mom and dad. You know, say what you want. Like people are like, oh, you can't, you can't get away from your mommy and daddy. It's like, no, it's dude. It's like, it's the love. It's the love I have for my family. And like you just said, like my dad, dude, my dad is a real life superhero. Like hands down. I, I look at my dad, like the, like a, a, a real life Superman. He has taken care of my brother since he was born, never complained, never showed any signs of like, I don't want to do this or anything. Like I want people to envision this. Like imagine you having a child who can't speak to you very well, who can't walk, can't feed himself. But the only thing is that baby only gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it turns into an adult human. Right. But you still have to do all those things. You can't go to the bathroom, you know, everything guys, like everything. And it only gets harder and harder. And he has never complained. He has never wow. showed any signs of like, I don't want to do this. It, it, it just, one of the biggest motivations for me is I want to build BioCoach to this household name, this huge company so that one day I can Anyway, help my parents out, get him a helper, get my dad a helper, get my dad any, like anything, build a house that's more handicap accessible, right? Instead of him having to pick my brother up, take him to the bathroom and shower, like just have everything just automated and just help. Like that's my goal, right? To help them. And my mother too, like you said, she is my mom. She's just the biggest heart can never say no to people to the point where it makes me upset because she puts herself in binds. It stresses herself out because she can't say no. And I'm like, mom, there is nothing wrong with you saying no. Totally. Like, My mom's the they, same they, way, dude. <laughs> it drives me crazy. I'm like, mom, you are stressing yourself out. You're doing all these things because you can't say no to other people. And it tr- makes me mad because I felt, I, again, it's, it's this weird balance, right? Because it makes me so angry that my mom is having to bend over backwards and do all these things for other people. And I'm like, why don't they call so-and-so? Why don't they call their mom? Why don't they call their son? Their son's perfectly fine. Why do they have to call you? Anyways, I can go on this long rant, but you know how it is, right? Like our mom's just the biggest heart. They, they can't say no to the point where it's like, it, it puts them in binds and it, it drives me crazy. But, uh, that is, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's crazy, man, that you have just come so far. Not only like, weight wise, but you know, the dark days, right? Yeah. The, the days where that you're not so proud of, but Hey, it's something to talk about, right? It's, Cause it's, it's real, bro. It's real. Like I didn't know that about you. And that's just like, it's, 
there's so many, there's so many things that go on in people's lives and so many things from the past that people, it's, it's hard to let go and like, Oh, well, you know, I did this so-and-so years ago. And it's like, listen, that is not you anymore. That this, who you are today is who you are today. Like who you are in the past does not define you. You know, whether you were overweight or you did some bad things, like you can change all that. You can become a new person today. The only thing that you have control of is right now, this moment. The past is the past. You can't do anything about it. The past does not define you. So hearing stories like that, like that is the whole fucking reason why I started this podcast is to hear stories just like that. People's, you know, like everybody has... Everyone wants to talk about the winds and the mountaintop. What I want to know is about that that bottom, that bottom story, like before the success, before the fame, before all that. I want to know about the low points because it's so important for people to understand because I know there's a lot of people listening to that that may feel like they're in that low point. Like, man, I'm just doing things that I'm not so proud of. I'm in a dark spot mentally, physically, spiritually. I just don't know if I could get out, but I'm, but if you're listening to this right now, like Ben and I came from those dark moments. We came from those dark, those dark times in our, in our life. And, and again, like I have things that I am not, I am not proud about, you know? And the one thing is I, I'm not going to let it define me. And, and one thing I can say, I will never go back there. I will never go back to that time in my life. I will never let myself go back to that time. I'm never going to get out of shape. I'm never going to let myself go because I've now made a priority for my girls. Like, you know, our, our, our motivation and our goals change through life. Yeah. And uh, having kids really changed me, right? And not only that, like having girls change me. Like, you know, it's like I, I've always been like a guy's guy, right? Like, oh, nah, boys will be boys. Like, you just... <laughs> We get, especially in my culture, man, guys, boys get away with so much in my culture. Like moms will be like, eh, he's a boy. Let him. He's all right. Like, yeah, he's out till one, two o'clock in the morning. Eh, boys will be boys. But the girls, bro, the girls had to be back by nine. Man, the girls had like, they had like, man, it was very strict on, on the girls in my culture. So, um, yeah, yeah. It's my mom was very tough on my sisters, but me, I got away with so much. Um, so having two girls, I'm just like, it really changed the way I look at the world, the way I do things, the way I move, the way, you know, because again, like the way I am with the girls now, it's like, I have to show them what a, what a man should act like, what a man should treat them, what, you know, what a father looks like and, and be very gentle to them and be very emotionally there for them. When, 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 you know, as a guy, I, I, I wasn't used to doing that because I'm just, you know, like just ah, boys and boys, ah, shake it off, get up, shake it off, rust some dirt, naked. get out there. You can't do that with girls. It's like you, you gotta, yeah, you gotta, it's, it's a whole different thing, but yeah, I, I know you don't have kids. I don't know if you plan on having kids, but, yeah. um, it's, uh, it's just one of those things like, you know, your, your goals and your motivation is going to change in life. And like I said, like my, my whole reason why I started this in the very beginning in 2013 to 14 was more for vanity. And, and, and to get revenge off, uh, my wife's ex-boyfriend in high school, it's a really stupid story, but now it's like, no, nah, I don't care about that stuff. It's like, I gotta, I gotta do this for the girls because the best gift I can give my, my girls are, is that, is the healthiest daddy yeah. and the best fit dad so I can keep up with them. 
Yeah. Well, I love that. And you just explained so magnificently the difference between motivation and inspiration. I don't think there's anything wrong with motivation, but if you're relying on motivation for long-term results, it's not going to work. Motivation is an external thing that needs to motivate you internally. Like you said, your wife's ex-boyfriend, you have this motivation to beat him, whatever it was. Even when I was going through my weight loss transformation, I initially was in that depression because my girlfriend broke up with me and I wanted to show her what she's lost out on, right? So it (laughs) it got me started on it. But inspiration is internal. Motivation is external. So yeah, it's okay to use motivation to get started. But if you want something that's going to create long lasting change, it needs to be from within. It needs to be inspiration. So you had your daughters and you started to you know, see how much they meant to you and how, how the lessons they were teaching you because you were always used to being the, a man's man or a boy's boy. And then you have your mom and your dad that you mentioned and you want to buy them a house and make sure it's accessible for wheelchairs and all that. Like That's inspiration and that's that's strong versus a motivational flicker that you need to kind of revive every single day. But with inspiration, that, that stays. And that's why I'm excited for you, dude. And I'm excited for BioCoach and this podcast. And I can't wait to see that video of you creating that house for your family and all the cool things that you do because that's that's true inspiration right there. Yeah, man. Say it, say it every day to myself, man. Just you know, manifest it, right? Just speak it into existence and it will happen. But uh, you know, you, you said something pretty interesting earlier in in the podcast is when you were in that dark time, did you have to get away or remove anybody from your circle? You know, you said it's very important to keep the right people in your circle. And I've seen all the people, like I've seen your mentors. I've seen you talk about your mentors. I'm like, you're so right. Like having people that are just like you, like-minded, just like you, motivators, go-getters that are just on fire every single day, having those people around you, you, you turn into them, right? Like, you know, go-getters, surround yourself with go-getters. Well, you'll be a go-getter and vice versa. You, you have negative people in your life. You have bad people in your life. They're going to rub off on you. The vibes are going to run off. The energy is going to run, uh, rub off and you'll become who you surround yourself with. So when you made that change from that dark time, did you have to cut anybody off? And, and anybody that you did cut off, was there anybody like, damn, it's, I love you, bro, but can't have you in my life anymore. It's, it's not good. It's not healthy for me. Yes. Several people, several people I had to cut out. And then some people just spend less time with, because you're right, Logan, you become your environment. Your environment determines your thoughts, your thoughts determine your actions, your actions determine your results, right? But it all starts with the environment. So if the input is coming in that's uh, toxic from a toxic environment who people who want to just go to McDonald's and they want a club and all that, which was my my environment, and that's not your life anymore, then you got to make a decision. Either you set boundaries with them or if they're not listening to you with those boundaries, you cut them out. But here's how important it is to change your environment. There's a story. This is a true story. You can look it up on Google, Dr. Google. I forget what year and the girl's name. There was a, a baby. It was a girl. I think she was like 12 months or maybe a year and a half, and she got separated from her family in the woods, a baby girl, and they lost her, meaning like they didn't know where she went. And a pack of wolves picked her up and adopted this girl essentially as their family. They like treated her and they they brought her in as family, as weird as that sounds. But years later, she was now three or four years old, and they found her in the woods, this girl. She was still alive, but she was around wolves so long that she was crawling and, and howling and she thought she was a wolf. Her environment actually molded her to think she was a freaking wolf. Since then, they've you know 
they fixed that and she's a normal human being now, but that's how important your environment is. So you better be damn sure if you're going to make changes in your life for your health and your business and your happiness, you're going to have to cut some people out. Here's the, here's the exercise that I do once a year that I think your audience should do. You take a, um, a blank piece of paper and then you draw a line down the middle and then a line at the top. So you kind of form a cross. And then at the top left, you write the word chargers. So I'm going to write that chargers. And then on the top right, you're going to write the word drainers. And then you do an audit on maybe the top 15, 20 people in your life, like all the relationships. And think about it. All right, this person, when I hang out with them and I have a conversation, whether it's a text message or a phone conversation or dinner, and I'm done speaking with them or even during the conversation, do I feel charged up? Are they supporting me? Are they inspiring me? Are they saying, yeah, go get that goal. I support you. Or do I feel drained and depleted? They're gossiping and I'm just like, get me out of this conversation. So you're going to write down on the left under the column of chargers, all the people that you feel are charging you up. And here's the truth. That's going to be a very short list. It might be one or maybe five people. And then you're going to write the drainers, which is going to be a longer list. And then once you're clear and you've done that audit, your goal is to spend more time on the left with the chargers and less time on the right with the drainers. And just doing that, it's going to change your thoughts, change your activities, and change your life. So I did that, and it's, it was very difficult to do, and it still is difficult to do. But here's the thing. The most important relationship you have in your life is not with your best friends and college roommates. And those are great, but the most important relationship you have in your life is the relationship you have with yourself. And if they're not serving that relationship, then there's, it's time to do something about it. Dude, love that. Love that, man. And and like like you said, it's it's gonna be tough. Like it, it's not easy, right? Because unfortunately, I'm just gonna tell the truth, guys. Like it, it is what it is. But a lot of those people that that are that are drainers, I hate to say it, they're gonna be your family members. It's true. They're gonna be loved ones. And it doesn't mean that you don't love them. It doesn't mean that you don't care about them. It just means that you need less of their energy. I'm, I'm, I'm so big into energy, man. Like, especially lately, like vibes, energy. I always say this vibes don't lie. Like I can instantly meet somebody. Give me two minutes with somebody. And I can tell you right now if we're, if we're going to vibe or not. Like I just, I just can just sense energy. I can sense the vibes and, and it doesn't lie. And so having that negative drainer in your, in your circle, a lot of times, unfortunately it's loved ones and you just got to let go. You got to take that step back and like, I get it all the time like Logan, but that's my, that's my cousin or that's my brother or that's my, oh, I've even heard that's my mom. It's like, oh my God, like it's got to be so tough. It's got to be so hard, but you got to do this for you. And then once you get to that point where you're healed and you love yourself and you're at a better spot in your life, then maybe you can slowly go back. But when you're trying to fix yourself, and you're broken on the inside, you have to let go. You have to get rid of that negative energy because it will only bring you down. And man, it's it's so important. Like, dude, I've never had anybody break it down the, to me like that. And my audience, hopefully you guys are, if you guys are, aren't, watch, aren't watching this and you're just listening to this, like you said, you just get a pen and paper, write a line in the middle, and you just put the left, energize the right, the, the drainers and then just do that life audit, man. That is so 
so powerful. Do it once a year too. You know, revisit it and and make sure because it is, and it could be your family member. It probably is your family member, and we're not saying to get rid of them, but protect that space, protect that energy, protect your space. Yeah, you know, spend less time, set boundaries, have conversations. And one last thing, and then I I gotta go because I actually have a haircut appointment in fifteen minutes. But yeah, yeah, no problem. If, if somebody really like wants to get inspired to what you just shared about making that decision to serve yourself first, go read the book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And uh, in this book, it's a hospice nurse from Australia who visited patients on their deathbed and asked hundreds of people on their deathbed the same question, which was, what was your biggest regret? What was your biggest regret? And she compiled the top five regrets of the dying. The number one regret the consensus of people on their deathbed, the number one regret they had was living a life according to what others expected of them, others wanted for them versus living a life of what they wanted. The the podcast they wanted to start, but never started. The book they wanted to write, whatever thing they had in their soul, but their environment told them not to do it was a bad idea. Stick to your, you know, your nine to five job. That was the biggest regret. And we don't want that. You don't want that. You don't want to be on your deathbed with that regret. So read that book if you want some inspiration on that. Dude, yes. Hell yeah. That book, I got I, yeah, I to look that book up. That is, that is so powerful, man. And yes, so many people, guys, you, you live in a small town and guess what? You're going to deal with small town minds and, and everyone's so scared to fail. Don't be scared to fail. I don't look at failure anymore. I look at it as learning lessons. Like, Trust me, I've made some quote unquote huge failures in my life. I don't look at them like that. I like, hey, that was a huge learning experience. And guess what? I'll never do that again <laughs> yeah. moving forward. But at the mo- but the most important thing is we keep moving forward. Amen, brother. Ben, dude, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I know you're super busy. Please let my audience know where can we find more of you? Yeah, Logan, I love you, bro. Thank you for having me on your podcast. This was a, a great conversation. I love hanging out with you as well. And I'm sure I will hang out in Austin soon. You could find me. My website is benazadi.com. It has everything on there. My books. We have the Keto Camp Podcast. Logan has been a guest. We'll bring you back soon again. And our YouTube channel and all that. Just benazadi.com is the best place to check it out. Awesome. Well, brother, thank you so much. And I can't wait to uh, meet meet with you again. I, I, I got to get down to Miami, man. I mean, come on. Miami with this bucket hat? Let's you go. You belong in Miami. Come on. We're waiting for you, dude. <laughs> Let's go. We'll do it, man. All right, brother. Well, have a good day. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. We'll see you on the next episode.